can. This is arbitrarily deterministic on keithfm.com show where I talk to people I admire. Most of those people are working in digital art, algorithmic art, mostly generative art. Some of those people sell that stuff as NFTs. NFTs as they are, are financialized products by nature. If we happen to be talking about anything that deals with the market, please do not take that as financial advice. That is purely for entertainment purposes only. If you're listening to this on KeithFM.com right now, you'll notice we have a nice PayPal button there. Click it, donate, help us out. We exist on the kindness of others. So, also, if you've got a Tez wallet, you can donate to I don't like podcast.tez. Thank you, Ozzy, for that wonderful donation. Also, you could donate some ETH to me at kenconsumer.eth. Thank you very much. All right. So, without further ado, today, my guest is a generative artist. He is, uh, goes by the name Nonfigurative, aka Bjorn Stahl. Hi, Bjorn. How are you? Hi. Hi. Good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see I'm you, too. Good. good. Yeah. Hey, so, Bjorn, why do I have you on the show today? <clears throat> well, I have a sneaky suspicion that you have me on today because i had a tweet that went like super viral just last night oh yeah that's it that's what it was yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i am gonna believe you when you say that you were gonna have me on at some point anyway yeah uh, here was the thing <laughs> whenever you i have like a little wish list and i put people on it whenever they do things that i think are really interesting and you had that show um a couple of months ago where you had stuff from um, Geisen and, and Leander and, and, and some other people. And in that moment, I put you on that little list and I thought, okay, next year when I come back and I'm ready to go, but I had today scheduled and I didn't have anybody scheduled. So <laughs> I was going to just take the day off and this worked out pretty good. Awesome, man. Yeah. Great. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm working in generative art and digital art in general. So um, it seems like we have a, a lot of like common friends in the space, I would say. Yeah. And, uh, I think I like the whole Berlin, the Berlin crowd feels close to home. <laughs> cool. And where is home? Uh, Oslo, Norway. Are you from Oslo? Uh, no, I'm from, from a small city up on the Northwest coast, but, um, yeah, I've been living here for close to 20 years. So, I mean, this is considered my home at this point. I mean, uh, if you're doing anything, Besides, you know, like cutting, yeah, being a hairdresser or or <laughs> being a plumber, there, there's not much to do back home or fisherman. <laughs> it's like on the northwest coast. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I've been here for a while since I started and uh, just stayed here and have a family and, yeah, lots of friends and things going on here. So I like it. What did you study? Uh, f- first thing I studied was... Uh, art photography actually uh-huh. where it was like a school for art photography and digital art um and it kind of sucked 
uh, or I thought so at, the, at that at that point anyway. But actually, in retrospect, it was like, quite interesting. But I was a bit too young and immature for it because it wasn't it wasn't focused on like actually learning how to use a camera and use lighting and all that stuff. It was very rooted in like you know theoretic you know art theory and art critic and all of that stuff and and mm -hmm. at that point i just wanted to get my hands dirty and, and make things i was like 18 years old yeah so uh, i quit that and i went to study graphic design um and then i did that for a year but um i'd been you know i'd been playing around with uh, design and code since i was like 12 13 so at the time i was really into flash and it was like all the rage mm -hmm. at the, the time and um so i got hired at my dream company while i was in school so i quit i dropped out actually at at 20. wow and, and joined like a design agency in oslo and yeah been in that industry for 10 years until i started my own studio eight years ago with with a couple of friends to focus more on physical you know physical digital art uh -huh. still sort of as a um, you know in the kind of studio consultancy excuse me model where we had clients and uh so we weren't like completely free and making art that kind of like came you know straight from from my heart anyway but it was like we had a lot of creative freedom for for being that kind of studio so i enjoyed it for a long time and uh did that for eight years until i um quit my um yeah quit my position there april this year and since then i've just been soloing trying mm -hmm. to figure out uh, if it's possible to be you know to make it as a digital artist and i mean we'll see i i have a lot of things I could do if uh, if the shit hits the fan in terms of like freelancing and things like that. But right now I'm just like trying to give myself some space to focus on my, my own work for a while. And, uh, yeah. So have you been coding? Like, did you start coding like early on in life and were you always kind of including code in your art making practice or was that sort of something that you picked up later because of uh, <clears throat> business and other for other purposes or? No, I started. It's funny. I had a had an interchange with Marius Watson on Twitter today, where, you know, we talked about these like old tricks that people had, uh, you know, when playing around with browser windows that were shaking and all that kind of stuff in the in the late nineties. And I remember this, I was a big like Wu Tang fan, like Wu Tang Clan, and mm -hmm. they had this amazing Flash website, you know, with like killer bees flying around and I remember huge. It. And and the browser window, it actually like it was shaking while when when the bombs went off, and I was just like, "Holy fuck, this is the most amazing thing I've seen in my whole life." And I was really into Flash. Like I was twelve twelve years old, really into Flash. I I used to like sit and draw animations on the timeline and all all sorts of things like that. But I was scared shitless of coding. I didn't understand. You open this window and you have to write something in that code window. I had no idea, but. Uh, at that time, I was like, how did they do this? And that's how I started coding, just like looking into how, how they made this effect in, in Flash and JavaScript. And I mean, it was very rudimentary at the time, just like figuring out what a variable was and, you know, jumping around in, in the timeline. Like, if this happens, go to frame one. If that happens, go to frame 10, that kind of thing. Yeah. 
when I was a teenager. And then it just like gradually followed me through the years up until when, when I started design, as I mentioned. And, and at that time, I think my coding interest was, you know, as, as big as, yeah, my, my interest for design and, and art. So yeah, I felt like what I have to do in life is something where I can do both things, like both program and and do design and art. So, um, and that's that's the position I got as well. Like, it's like you know, creative coder kind of thing. Uh, I guess this was like two thousand and seven or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you so, ever think, like, whenever you were learning all that stuff, did you ever think you could be using that stuff to actually make art and make money from it? Uh, no, I mean, it's strange because, you know, where I come from, it's like super working class, lower working class thing. And art is just like a hobby. It's not something you, I've never heard that anyone could could be an artist and actually yeah. live off it, you know? So, so I just remember thinking that the closest thing I can do is design, you know, I have to just go into the design industry and, and that's what I've been doing since. And, but I've been sort of gradually trying, you know, within the companies I work for, I try to like kind of push things in a more experimental direction and, and, you know, get closer to art and definitely avoid. We even stated that, that we were like working at this intersection between design, art and architecture and technology. And, uh, and we did, you know, we did a fair bit of projects that I would consider art projects and not, and you know we're invited to exhibitions and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but uh yeah it's just like i guess since you know the last couple of years when you see that people are actually considered artists when they do digital art you know that that's pretty new to me it's like we used to call it like creative coding or you know generative design actually generative was you know, I don't. I think a lot of people have been scared of using that label. Even art, you know, seems like this holy thing that, you know, calling yourself an artist. That's just, uh, yeah, you, you don't go there, you know, very easily. <laughs> artist with a capital A, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, after so many years of just like, kind of pushing up against, you know, some artificial ceiling. Uh, above my head working in in you know any sort of like industry where i have to you know go in meetings and give keynotes to explain to people why what i'm doing is something they should pay money for then i've just felt that you know maybe maybe art was the category that i should have tried to you know find a place in all along yeah totally so let me ask you Yesterday you put this tweet out and it just says FX hash entangled. Yep, yep. Tell, what 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 is that about? Like, I mean, I know <laughs> I I know what FX hash is. Uh, we talk yep. about FX hash on the show a lot. Yep. And then entangled is this thing, and you put these two browsers over each other, and they're connected, and there's <laughs> shit going on, and it's super nutty. What's happening there? What is it about? Break it down for us because I'm super interested to know, like, how did we get from that, you know, you messing around with that stuff and then now to, to this, where, where, where are we? How, how did, what is this? No, I mean, uh, I've been 
I've uh, been dabbling in the NFT scene now for for a couple of years. Like started first just as a you know a thing that I did in my spare time while I worked at Void and done a couple of series here and there on both both on Artblocks and FX Hash and um, you know when I saw the started seeing the announcements for FX Hash 2.0, I just you know thought. This is, I think this is really cool. First of all, it's just like, I'm hoping we can put these like tribalism thing to death, you know, with yeah. these two different scenes, one on Ethereum, one on Tezos. Like to me, they've always gone hand in hand. And, sure. and you know, it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like uh, the... Um, Ethereum scene has been like, you know, New York or LA and, and FX hash has been Berlin or Paris or something. <laughs> yeah. That's that's how it's felt to me. But it's like so many cool artists have been sort of coming up on FX hash because it's been so much more, um, it's so much easier to just launch something there and get something out, right? And the community has been really vibrant and I've loved that part of it. And then you have other platforms like FX, uh, no, sorry, like yeah, Artbooks, where people have been, you know, making it big and and sort of like making a name for themselves and that yeah. kind of thing. So, um, to me, it's just like these things have been; they naturally play off each other. So, so when I saw that FX Hash is launching on Ethereum as well, I thought, you know, it would be cool to do like a conceptual piece that. Um, yeah, that utilizes this um, this new platform where you can launch on both chains, basically. Mm -hmm. So I thought about like all these different things from from the community side to also the the pricing mechanisms. How some artists could be like really valuable on Ethereum, and then their work, which is equally good, is less worth on Tezos. Didn't really make much sense to me. So as I was dabbling with this thing i was just thinking that you know they're entangled that's what it means to me like yeah. these things are entangled they're you can't really separate them uh and then i also have i had this period in my life where i was reading a lot about like, theoretical physics and that kind of thing and there's this concept of quantum entanglement where you have two particles that can be entangled and then no matter how far away you you um, separate them. You can be light years away. If you measure some aspect of one particle, you will immediately know some aspect of the other particle. So it's kind of like they're completely linked, no matter the distance that you put put between them. So, so that's where I got this idea of like, okay, what if I make a, a, a an FX hash project when when they when they're ready with this, you know, dual chain thing where half of the project lives on Tezos and the other half lives on Ethereum. And then there's a visual link between the two. Um, I, I know this is getting pretty convoluted at this point, but that's, <laughs> that's it, how my brain works. It, it's not super convoluted. I totally get it. It actually makes sense. Now, the mechanism that you get the thing, though, how does that work? So you're going to have to mint two tokens and are those tokens automatically going to be able to get together or is there some other mechanic that you're going to need or how's that going to play out? Yeah. So, so first of all, I mean, the thing I posted, is actually, you know, still like a work in progress to figure out more, you know, technically 
how can I actually make two browser windows talk to each other? You know, and that's a really fun hack that I found that you have local storage. It's like this tiny, you know, tiny bit of memory where you can store just a tiny bit of data uh, locally uh, from any from any browser window. And as and as long as you open, if you have two browser windows, but and they're on the same origin, like so they they're both uh, hosted on FX hash, they will share this local storage. So as you write uh -huh. like your variables down to this local storage, this other window can read from it as well. So that means that, yeah, basically you have this shared uh, memory space. And then through there, I, I just developed this tiny protocol that basically is kind of like, okay, a window pops up, it checks, are there any other windows there? Well, no, okay, I'm the only window, so I'm a particle over here, right? And then I add another window, okay, that, can see that there's already a window there and they can start connecting to each other and then they will basically send each other you know just information through local storage about you know the size and position of the other window so it started out super simply just like drawing two circles that you could sort of move around and then as you move the windows over each other you can see that they kind of correlate so basically i'm drawing the same scene in both windows i'm just kind of offsetting the view so you can you can think of your screen as the canvas and the two windows almost like just two masks you know of mm -hmm. this pure screen that you just move around and then these two particles can stay centered within each window and then i have this like kind of like this connection between them that it you know is this sort of entanglement thing so i've kind of figured out the technical part of doing it on the on the front end and then i've also figured out how how i can just like in a de deterministic way randomly generate pairs so that the piece on the th ethereum will know which mint it is connected to on tezos but it will be random that's my idea anyway so that if you mint on ethereum and you mean Tontezos, these two might not be a pair. Ah, so they might not talk to each other. Yeah, right. So when it's all minted out, then people can start, you know, trying to figure out, maybe I'll post some clues here and there, like what what are the actual pairs? So mint two on Tezos might be connected to mint 40 on Ethereum, right? Uh-huh. So if you open two that aren't a pair, they will just live on the screen like two normal windows would, but if you open two that are a pair, they will connect. And I'm also working on like embellishing the visuals so that it's even more like a compelling thing to have both of them up at the same time. Which means like you don't actually have to own both. You just have to know, you know, right, the other which one. ones where it is. So you can put it together. Yeah. 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 I see. But obviously that there will be an incentive to own both, which I think, you know, part of the concept here is that it might start some interesting dynamics like social dynamics like you might want to look up this other person that know that owns your pair and maybe you're like buddies because yeah, yeah we were entangled man you know <laughs> uh, yeah or, or someone's just like fervently want to really get the other one <clears throat> so maybe maybe like this rich dude on ethereum has this one thing and then like someone on tezos who just like bought this thing and think it's cool 
finally is like has this big whale that really wants this other guy's uh, piece, you know. So maybe that starts like this bidding war or something. Who knows? <laughs> I'm just, I, I just think it's like fun to play around with like all the sorts of dynamics that could come out of uh, such a thing, you know. But but for me, it was still really important that the actual like experience part of it is really cool and it's just like a you know a fun thing. And I think based on the feedback that I've got from that single post, it seems like people find, you know, the, the little magic trick there kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The, I think the thing that gets, I think the thing that, you know, if, because I know your work, I know that, you know, like the, the face we had, the way that that visual sculpture operates as an interactive sort of uh, uh, sculpture um, and the way you can move it around and how you can look at it and how these, these things exist. Do you think of these as two sculptures that would be interactive sculptures working together in a similar manner to the way that that works or more kind of the mechanic of they only whenever they're together, are they moving or things like this? Yeah. Well, I, I'd love for it to be sort of both, like uh -huh. just having one of them would be like a cool piece in and of itself. So I want to like work more on the animation and, and kind of embellish the piece so that it's interesting in, in itself. But then, um, yeah, I really also want to emphasize sort of the value of like pulling both of them up. And, you know, I still we should remember that you, you can pull up anyone. You don't have to own it yeah, to yeah. see the interaction. And I think it plays into this entangled concept because I feel like, you know, the, the sort of the quantum entanglement thing that you can like separate things miles away. I feel like when you're in two different browser windows, that really feels like, oh, you're actually, you're not, the same yeah. you're, you're you're light years away so to speak because you're not even on the same blockchain you're on two different blockchains two different browser windows but then you're still connected that that was like my concept so um how how interested i mean have you been when did you get interested in blockchains and how did it come about that you wanted to that you wanted to make art around the idea of using the blockchain um I don't know. I I think I read the Bitcoin white paper. When was that? Like, or two thousand and oh, I can't remember. I read the Bitcoin white paper at some point uh -huh. uh, when it was like still early. You had to like you know do some command line stuff to uh -huh. even you know like buy a Bitcoin or get a wallet up and all that sorts of stuff. But I didn't do anything with it myself. I, and, and this is how I work. I read like enough to know what it's about. Yeah. And then I don't really delve into it I, uh, until I find a use case for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same so way. I just, yeah. I just thought that Bitcoin was like an interesting concept. And then I just sort of forgot about it for some years. And then I guess I started reading about Ethereum in like, it must have been like 20, I don't know, 15, maybe 2016, something like that. Mm -hmm. When they, you know, when they started making the apps or like, yeah, decentralized apps on top of Ethereum, that's when I felt like, okay, here's an application layer that, you know, adds actual functionality. It's not just like a new currency. It's, it's like a new technical platform. It's a new internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, 
I started following Vitalik on Ethereum and I, I found him also just like quite an interesting dude, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and yeah, so I followed that for a while, but still didn't find any specific use case for it. But I bought like an Ethereum, a couple of Ethereum when it was like pretty cheap and just had it, you know, and then, and then went through, you know, it's not like I made a lot of money, but like, it was a pretty good investment in terms of sure. you know how many, the, the 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 percentage like the return but uh, it was actually when i and then i heard about nft you know later a couple of years later with these cats you know i can't even remember the name of it <laughs> <laughs> thing right the the cool cats or or the uh, no crypto kitties wasn't oh, that like the first, yeah, the first the first thing. thing yeah yeah and I was, uh, I just thought it was stupid, to be honest. And, it, but Artblocks was the thing that changed it for me because, yeah, I heard about Artblocks through a friend that knew or used to work with, you know, Shetil Gulid, right? Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 He, uh, he was one of the like first uh, big artists on Artblocks. And we used to work for the same company a long time ago. So, ah. Yeah, I heard about him and I and I uh, saw it, saw his work, and it's funny. I've told him, I've I've told him this. I was like, ah, I wasn't too impressed. I was like, I could do this, you know. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I've I've gained a lot of respect for his work here since then, and he he's a great great guy as well. So uh, it's just that was that was like a a, a huge under um, or, yeah I underestimated him you know really back then because it was just like this thing where art blocks blew up and i don't think everything was up to the standards that that uh, you know that we expect of artists today mm-hmm, in, in yeah. the space because it was mostly who who was there first you know yeah. basically but uh but i just it, it's when i understood that you put the code on chain yeah and then what you basically own is a hash, but the hash could re- recreate the artwork from code that's on chain at any resolution yeah. at any point in time. You know, that's that's where it's like clicked for me. Like, okay, now I actually understand a practical use case of blockchain technology in a domain that I really care about. So yeah. I was just like, this is freaking amazing. Yeah. And I understand. And also the dynamic of like, you can sell a big enough number of editions, they will be unique. They don't have to cost that much for it to actually uh, make, you know, for, for the artist to make enough money to defend the time that he, he spent yeah. making the piece, right? Yeah. So it was just brilliant on several different levels. Um, so at the point I was pretty cocky and I was like, yeah, yeah, they should let me in immediately. I'm a free... <laughs> great digital artist like i've been doing this for some time right and then i went into the discord and asked like yeah i don't see a like submit button or sign up or anything on a website how do you do this stuff and they were like hey get in line dude like (laughs) there's like a waiting list of three four hundred people or something that in this application process so yeah i just signed up for that and and then I, I got in like three, four months later, and that that's like, hey, your application is up, and then you had to have like a ready thing to go that they could look at, and yeah, it took some time, but I launched my first project there in August 
2020, I guess. 2020. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And 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 in hindsight, it's not a project. I'm very proud of it. Was <laughs> like, yeah, but I didn't really get the scene. You know, I didn't consider it art. I felt like it was more like collectible. You know, mm-hmm. so I just kind of like make something that I, you know, I worked on it quite a lot, but it was more like a sort of like a design collectible or something like that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, and what was that project the, called? It was called The Liths of Sisyphus. Ah, uh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like this sort of Stonehenge like thing. And I had this whole, you know, concept around it. I, I just read the, uh, the, the Myth of Sisyphus by uh, Albert Camus, and I was yeah. very inspired by that. So that was the concept. And um, yeah, I feel like I'm talking like with no, I, I could just go on forever. You know? Good. So you have to stop me and no. intervene sometimes. <laughs> no, you're more interesting than me. I, I like listening to what you have to say. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good. No, I, I'm, all, I, I'm, I'm just more, I'm, I'm super interested in like how you got to the point where you actually wanted to use the blockchain itself though, because oh, yeah. like, this is kind of like, to me, like the big key there, because what, you know, what, what art blocks does and, and what, you know, by putting everything on chain and having everything there and using the transaction has to fill out those random places, blah, and, and you know, connecting it all together. That's really, really awesome and really fascinating. And that mm-hmm. FX hash does that with these, you know, now as well and lots of other places do it. What made you want to use the blockchain itself though? Was it about like anything in particular, like, social media is making you want to do this or was it just that you are interested in how those things can store this stuff and it be a part of it? I think, you know, I'm, it's not that I was specifically interested in making something, um, where I use the the dynamic of, or, or use the sort of, uh, blockchain itself in a conceptual way i've seen that done before and i find some of the projects quite interesting some are not that interesting i don't think it's interesting in and of itself Mm -hmm. for me the more interesting part here was like fx hash which is this bastion on tezos is like sort of branching out to from my point of view it was more like the social aspect of it it's like these two tribes are now like joining Mm -hmm. in a way and then the this concept just came out of that, you know, and who knows how a concept comes up, you know, I just have like, you know, mashed potato brain with a bunch of stuff rolling around all the time. And it's like, (laughs) pop up, you know, and it's, and, and this felt like a good enough ID on several levels that I was like, you know, I'm just gonna throw myself at this now for a month and, and see if I can make this thing work. And one thing that I, I mean, a lot of the times it might be a weakness in my work, but it's just how I work as a person. And that's, that is like, I need challenges as well. So I like, you know, I have like a short attention span. So the best kind of project for me to work on is projects that are really interesting technically as well as, you know, artistically, mm-hmm. because that means I will have enough sort of, uh, you know, I'll have enough dopamine to go, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And and just like having these like, oh, okay, this is really hard. This is, you know, something, a bit of a puzzle that I have to figure out that just like keeps me going. And 
that's I I think that's why I find it so uh or I find the whole space of generative art to be just like this really rewarding you know space to be in because if you know if I'm not that inspired a day I can just like work on like a library or or cook up some code or learn a new concept which is you know more like a technical thing mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel really inspired and I will just like sit down and play around with parameters for a whole day and and, and work with colors. But I, I kind of need both aspects to like keep me going. So it's... Um, Do you draw with your hand? Uh, I used to, you know, a lot. That was, of course, how I started when I was a kid. But I have, I've had these things throughout my life where... I've had these things that I was very interested in and then I went to school and then school killed it for me. Like mm-hmm. I went to art school, you know, before the photography thing, I went to like high school with art and then we drew all the time. And then as soon as someone was there telling me how to do it and this is good and this is bad, it just killed my joy. I just stopped drawing. Mm-hmm. Same with photography. So I guess the only thing I've continued doing is programming because I have no, I've never went to school to learn programming. No one, <laughs> yeah. Like, no one was critiquing your programming. I guess the market yeah, does now I guess, though, yeah. I guess in some way, right? <laughs> now, yeah, the, now so the maybe market. I'll escape this and I'll just start chopping wood and, you know, fixing <laughs> motorbikes. It's, it's also not a bad, <clears throat> not a bad idea to be perfectly honest, but. No, I, yeah. No, I've started thinking that, you know, you know, going into this art thing as something that I want to try to actually you do professionally that, you know, that might kill might kill that spark as well. So I'm I'm trying to stay mindful of that, how to keep this balance of experimentation and joyful creation with the fact that, you know, there's a market, there's social media, there's all kinds of shit that you need to Yeah. That you need to figure out how to balance. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's a tough one, man. Because I, I see this a lot with people. They get they're pretty excited. They get one good project under their belt. They make a little bit of money, and they sort of feel like that this is going to work out for them. And then they sort of throw everything they have at it, and it didn't really, and it doesn't really work out. Sometimes, some people have mm-hmm. a lot to be able to fall back on and be able to work, you know, and figure out what they're doing next, and kind of and move on. I, you know, I, I personally have no idea <laughs> like, like what makes a good, how, how it works out, you know, when it works and why it works and, and what goes on from it. But it seems like you're kind of on the right path. I mean, you know, you've released a couple of, you've released a pretty interesting thing. And then you have this, this new, this new project that you're going to work on for, that you've worked on for FX hash. Do you have any idea like beyond that? Are there other things that you've been thinking about and working towards or? Yeah, well, I've I've worked quite extensively when I first, after I quit Void up until the summer, I worked quite extensively on a series that is launching on Artblocks in January. Okay. So I have that coming up. And then I've spent some time also interacting with like galleries in Norway and I have... Uh, well, I actually have a solo exhibition next year Um in my hometown actually there's a really cool. cool gallery yeah and it's a very strange thing because it's like in an in an old church yes and and i grew up very religiously and had all sorts of weird experiences related to that and a lot of my work that i've done 
that is not like generative art, but I've done installation work, it has tended to tended to lean towards um, you know sort of like religious themes, and I'm pretty like hardcore into meditation and like I'm in this, I'm in into Zen Buddhism basically. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I have this exhibition going on next year and I've been just spending some time also writing like grant applications and things like that, which is more the sort of like traditional how, how you know, traditional artists work in Norway. There's there's lots of like grants that you can get to, you know, produce interesting things. Yeah. I have no idea if, if, if I'll get any of it because I'm a bit of an outsider as someone who works in the digital space. But um, yeah, if that works out, I'll, I'll work on an installation hopefully which is based on uh the use of eeg you know like brain wow um you know sort of like a a device that picks up uh, brain activity basically and then turning that into an audio visual installation and the idea is that i'll do like a silent retreat in a gallery for seven days wearing this eeg thing and then people can sort of like come into a space and and join a uh, kind of like collective meditation retreat, something like that. That's cool. <laughs> that sounds really cool. Yeah. Pretty nerdy, techy, and a bit far out, but... Um, yeah, yeah, that's great. Perfect. <laughs> Things like that are always like a, a, a good experience for people that, that tend to talk about that and think about that as they go down the road. What is driving, what's driving this right now? Like, um, you, I know you said you quit your job and you've kind of, you know, you've moved into just making this, but what's the, what's the underlying, what's the underlying drive here that's got you making, wanting to make all of this stuff? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think, I mean, that drive has just been there since I was a kid. Like, I've just been making stuff all the time, like figuring out how things work and then when i try it when i feel that i know how something works then i try to manipulate it into something that i find cool and and yeah i just haven't i just never found my place in in the in any sort of industry it was just like you know the way to make money in any industry is like figuring out like how something works and then you keep doing that you know yeah as long as it works but i'm just like as soon as i know how it works i'll make one thing and then i'm bored and then i need something else i mean that's uh i know this <laughs> yeah so it's i i guess it's just uh some sort of pathology man it's, uh... <laughs> so i yeah i mean the artist thing it's like my last uh it's like my last <laughs> it's my last card in the deck man if this doesn't work out <laughs> What the fuck? Do? <laughs> do you do you um do you guys up there in Oslo do you do you meet with some of the other people that live there? Yeah, yeah. I mean we have that's this that's the coolest thing that has come out of the NFT scene, uh for me at least. Like I you know, I hooked up with Marius Watts, which is like an old uh, yeah. he's not old, but I mean he's old. Oh he's old. Oh no, he's like, old. No, he's old. He's ancient. <laughs> can't even believe he's still yeah. alive he's a bit older than me but i but the thing is he's like a you know he's a legend in the in the norwegian digital art scene and yeah. you know uh, i got connected with him a couple of years ago and we started discussing just meeting up and you know lots of other people that are in oslo that are doing this thing and 
we've had a pretty um, cool scene of maybe like somewhere between like 30 and 40 individuals in Oslo that, you know, are some in some way connected wow. to that's the quite, generative that's quite art big. scene. That's fantastic. Yeah, and we've had like, I don't know, we, we tried to do a monthly meetup. It's been a while now. I don't know. The bear market has like just killed everyone. We, we can't afford beer anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> but, no, we're meeting up next month again. And it's awesome. And so many cool people, you know, Andreas Rao and uh, Patrick, my old uh, colleague from, from Void and Marius. And yeah, just a bunch of really, really nice and creative people that... Does Pear, does Pear come? Huh? Does Pear Christian Stoveland perk work? Does he come to your things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's um, my old colleague from ah. Boyd. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Ah, Pear, oh, that's what you said. Okay, got it now. All right. Yeah, Pear. yeah, yeah. Cool. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been great because uh, I don't think a lot of people have actually met physically before. And yeah. now we're like... Some of these people that I didn't know before are some of my closest friends now. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, that's the whole thing about this whole community deal. And that's kind of, and that's what led you to being able to have this um, exhibition that you did. What was that about? Talk about that for just a second. Because you, you put that on and it was just one night, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it was, um, I called the show Algorithms. Yeah. Uh, because, because it was like a um, show focused on you know, time-based art, time-based generative art. Yeah. Um, and I got I got invited by some people that I know in Oslo that they're called Collective. It's a pretty generic name. They used to call used to be called Uncontaminated, which I think was a lot cooler actually. But somehow someone else owned that name somewhere and they got sued for it or something. So. Their name, yeah, they have this like art and, and technology and fashion sort of conglomerate. It used to be a festival, but now they're sort of like putting on events all throughout the year. And I worked with them before through Void, done a couple of installations now and again. And they asked me after I quit, they asked me if I, you know, wanted to do something related to what I'm doing now, generative art if we could show some art in Oslo, if I wanted to show some art or if I wanted to invite some others to do the same. And, and I was like, yeah, it's one night only. And we had this huge projection surface um, at an old gallery in Oslo. Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. I, I was just like, yeah, if I can get, you know, some cool people to join and, and I think the space looks nice, then, you know, I can, I can cook cook something up. And I went there and I just thought the space was really amazing. It's just like a huge concrete space. And we had like, I don't know, 15 by four meter projection surface with pretty high quality projectors. So yeah, uh, it just, looked amazing. I mean, the videos that you posted looked crazy. <clears throat> I mean, they, it just looks so good. Who was in that show again? Yeah, it was uh, Andreas uh, Geisen. Mm -hmm. It was uh, Leander Herzog. Uh, myself and uh, Kim Eisendorf. Uh huh. Yeah. I feel like I've uh, forgot one person now. I always keep forgetting. Oh no. Ah, well. Who's the last person? Yeah, uh, Carson Schmidt, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Toxie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Toxie. yeah. 
So, I mean, it, it, that was really cool as well because these... Um, That's right. You had a seascape on there, didn't you? You had that big... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. yeah, right. And, I mean, Carson, he's one of my big heroes. Like, oh, I've yeah, been a but... fan of him since, you know, since early 2000s, going to these Flash conferences where he... Yeah always had some like incredibly convoluted talk for for an hour that no one understood but i was just like this guy is just mind-blowing <laughs> so so and, and he yeah and and then like what felt really cool for me really early on in this in 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 the sort of nft part of the journey was that a lot of these people that i um really admired they started following me in return because mm -hmm. i made a new account like i've been on twitter for 15 years but i made a new account for sort of focused on the nft thing mm -hmm. started putting out work and following people and i felt then it was like pretty like oh these cool people that i really like that actually followed me back and so all of these people followed me on twitter i could just, just send them a dm and say like hey i have this show i want to just like i want to really put on a great show for people that aren't into generative art, you know, and I just want to, uh, yeah, really do something that's based on animation because obviously in this format, when you have just a couple of hours to look at it and at this scale, I think it just makes sense for, for things to move around, you know, and, and also it's a, it's a bit of a passion for, for me personally. And I think the NFT space in general has, tended to underestimate the the sort of i don't know the the, the quality and the work that, that that's put into things like these you yeah, know yeah. Uh, there's been a tendency towards things that you know are more like print format and i just really wanted to showcase both for people who aren't interested before in nfts that like this thing can just like be an amazing experience and and for the nft crowd to to see that like you know, there, there's something about time-based generative art that makes sense, especially when you go physical, you know? Yeah. So just, like, reached out to Carsten and, and Andreas and Leander at first, and, and they were all like, yeah, that sounds cool, we're on board. And then Leander asked if, you know, would Kim be, would you like him to be on board? I'm like, ah, I think Kim Eisendorf is a pretty cool guy. Yeah, he can be on board, you know? Yeah. And then I had like a, and then I had like a list also that the people that I reached out to, I mean, I got a bit of critique afterwards because obviously it was like all white, all white, all male lineup. Oh, yeah. It was just like thrown together in a hurry. And I had like a couple of other names that I reached out to uh you know women in the space that i would love to have on board but a bit of a paradox is that that the, the really like a lot of the really talented women in the space are actually like extremely busy yeah. <laughs> that's also part like, of it yeah they're doing shows in you know like big galleries and whatnot so so they they all turned it down and that's how it ended up being this like sausage fest but I mean, it's about the art as well. Like, I mean, it's it just it was it was an amazing show, and everyone loved it. And uh, uh, yeah, I've been I've been talking to some people about doing something like this again. You know, maybe in London next year. We'll see. It would be awesome to do something like this. I just want to do things at that scale again because that really makes sense 
you know, as a human in a space, being confronted with generative graphics at, you know, like scale, that's just, you know, two times the height of a human. It, it's more, it becomes more of a, of an installation, you know, like a James Terrell piece or something like that at that scale. It's very fascinating, I think. Yeah, so, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Those three guys, three of those guys, Andreas, Kim, and Lenny are going to be um, <clears throat> doing a thing here in Berlin in a couple of weeks. Um, but uh, I'm, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I'm not going to be here, unfortunately. It's kind of a bummer. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and they're Marius they're is coming. Super group day now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They are. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 the venue is uh at, at, at funk house and that's uh pretty pretty crazy that they're gonna do this thing there and if uh, yeah I'm, I'm i'm super bummed i'm gonna miss it but you know i'm gonna be having a pretty good time in miami so i'm not really su- i'm not that bummed i'm just bummed enough. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> just bummed what, what's enough. going on in miami uh art basel and we're gonna oh yeah yeah, yeah i'm gonna go there and I, I don't follow that so i feel like there's art basel like every other week yeah there something. is yeah no it's, it's everywhere <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now right. tinder's tinder's got a booth there at uh, untitled which is one of the fairs there at our basel and we're going to show like marcel schwitlick um leisha he oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and um some uh, zach lieberman piece and khabibi and emily edelman and some other people um yeah and, uh, and cool. anna lucia yeah, i'm kind of excited about it it's um uh yeah, yeah that's cool yeah it's good do you know see. zach i don't know zach <clears throat> no i don't do you? One of my big heroes, man. Yeah, I mean, that, actually, I think he follows me on my personal Instagram account, which is very <laughs> weird because it's a closed Instagram account where I only post photos of my kids. <laughs> but, I mean, we've sort of been around each other in the sort of extended uh, Twitter sphere for a long time. But, um, I mean, I've been more of a fanboy and he's been my hero, so... <sighs> But but I was very into the open framework scene. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if you know, it's like a C++ library that we used for, you know, kind of like processing, but on steroids. Uh-huh. That's, you know, the main tool that I used at Void when we built physical installations. Okay. And he was one of the creators of, uh, of um, open frameworks back then. So, yeah, that was like sort of my my crowd i used to go to um this event in in serbia a couple of years um oh, what was it called again now it, the the name eludes me but it was it was like a big conference there put on by creativeapplications.net which was just like the the, the most yeah the biggest platform in the sort of tech art space around 2010 uh-huh. Resonate was the name oh, of yeah. the event. Yeah, yeah, I know about Resonate, yeah. Four or five times. And there was all these, like, you know, Karsten and all the open frameworks guys working on the library there. And and you, did you know Unformative the, in Berlin? No, uh-uh. And Field. And there was a bunch of companies that did a lot of great work. And they've sort of, like, mer- they've sort of become pretty commercially successful Mm-hmm. you more like animation companies um so they're not that involved in the nft space but uh you know a lot of hardcore great creative coders that are in these companies yeah these companies kind of i mean this that whole thing eludes me in some way because i i, I never really 
ran in that, you know, so like yeah. I've always kind of been in art and, and the things that kind of surround that. Um, and, and this bar, you know, <laughs> art and yeah, liquor, yeah. I guess, you know, <laughs> some other thing there, but yeah. So yeah, I, but I, it's, it's, I, it's interesting. I had the, the opposite ex or like I had the same experience because I thought I knew the whole, like I thought I knew everyone in the world that did generative art. Right. And then when the NFT world came, it was like all of these names never heard their name. They, you know, like, uh, Tyler and, and, uh, hmm. Dimitri and, you know, these big names that are big name, big known names. Now I had no idea like who are these people, but it was like this second generation that probably, I don't know, got big on Instagram or something. Hmm. And, and our paths had never crossed, uh, weirdly enough. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's been a bit of emerging two worlds, but, and there, and there was a big part of the crowd from sort of like, yeah, my old crowd that kind of like hated NFTs and was just like totally against it. Yeah. I mean, I started a new Twitter account just to not be like <laughs> executed for, for dabbling with NFTs. <laughs> but, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's funny because on my Instagram account, I don't actually mention anything about the NFT stuff. But uh, on Twitter, that's basically all. I, that's what it is. I think it's I mean, it's just a difference in the, in the people who uh, pay attention to what platform to some degree. And it's yeah, I have the same thing. I mean, you know, here a lot of people uh, the there's a lot of conversation around those in, around NFTs, you know, and there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of misunderstanding around what they mean and what they do. And I mean, you know, yep. you can't, it's, uh, you know, at one point, like I just kind of stopped talking to people about it until they want to talk about it, you know, until they're ready to talk about it. Because it, for a little while I was like, oh no, I really think that your work would be really good if you were to, you know, you, you could actually make a living or make some money from this for a little while to a few people. And they just were like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And a few, some other people came to me afterwards and have asked me, how do I do this? You know? And yeah. so you know, I, I, I think that I think the term will just go away. I mean, it was I always so. a, a very technical, technical term. Like it doesn't make sense non-fungible, yeah. or it makes sense in a technical fashion, but it does not make sense as a thing we even think about. You know, so yeah. I think just talking about digital art makes a lot more sense, and that that would involve you know an installation in a gallery or you know something that's. Uh, a plot, you know, a plot that you can hang on on your wall, or something that is just like net art that lives on online. You know, the, all of these things are dig digital art, and NFTs are just you know one way of distributing digital art, and it's it doesn't cover the whole brain either. So I think the other way around, like I know NFT people feel sort of like, sorry, yeah, no, I'm just saying five uh, minutes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and if you know, like people that are sort of like hardcore team NFT, they're sort of you know probably feel like they they um, need to kind of like resist this other world that is hating on NFTs. Yeah. But I think they are also missing a big part of the digital art world that is just not that interested in NFTs, but it's just amazingly interesting art, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that that just can't fit into that format because you can't necessarily, yeah, do like an interesting physical installation. It doesn't easily turn into an NFT, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. 
It's true. It's, a, it's true. Like I noticed, um, like what Aranda Lash is going to be at the, the, the tender booth and they have a sculpture, um, like a, oh, yeah, yeah. a physical sculpture yeah. is going to be there at this, um, at this booth. And so I'm, I'm, I was looking at it and thinking to myself, that's really fascinating because now this is tying this sculpture to this thing as well. And this is all keeping these, you know, in within this. And recently Anna Lucia did a thing where, she had one of her uh, things be, be it's a on-demand scarf um, like that's made by a, a company here in Berlin. Um, and these kinds of things can be quickly done um, generatively. It's really mm. fascinating what's happening and what people are doing and what, you know, FX hash is enabling um, artists to be able to do is really unbelievable to me. And mm. I'm, I'm blown away with how crazy what FX hash is pulling off and all this shit they're building for artists on the back end is just, it's just mind boggling, yeah. man. It's, it's super cool. Yeah. I'm impressed. I mean, they move fast, like, you know, by all standards, just how, how fast they are developing all these new features for, for the new platform. I'm insanely impressed. And I'm trying to have a conversation with some of some of them these days because, you know, my series kind of needs a little bit of extra lifting on, on their part to click, to really work. But uh, And they're really helpful, but, you know, they're so busy these days. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I just applaud them. They're, uh, they're working really hard these days. So, yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I really wish them the best with the launch of 2.0 and yeah, me too. it's going to be fun to see what it does for the for the community i mean it i think that it's going to be great i think that every single time they're helping artists get art out i mean that's what we need you know we just need more tools for artists to be able to release and be able to continue to live in this in this way hey man definitely this has been great I'm super glad we got the opportunity to do this. This is fantastic. Yeah, me too, man. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been um, really nice. Before we go, really quickly, I wanted to ask you one other thing. And that is about, like, did you start whenever, I, and I meant to bring this up before, did you yep. start in, in this world by doing music stuff? Were you ever doing music things in this? Like doing yeah, shows? I mean, I was, uh, <laughs> I was a, like a rapper and I made beats and uh. stuff and I was like 12 and then, it's the interest that followed me since then. I have like a bunch of, you know, analog synths and stuff in my studio here. And it's always been a big dream for me to incorporate, you know, sound, sound design and, and music into my, into my stuff as well, into my work. But yeah, so far it's, um, I haven't had too much time to play around with them lately. So, yeah. Cool. I just was, I'm always interested to know if people kind of come from that little, if music has some sort of play in the way that they play around with things. Anyway. I mean, music is like the biggest inspiration to sure. me, actually. Like, yeah. yeah, I would rather listen to music and, and make my brain make some images from the music than, than, you know, look at other visual stuff and try to copy that. Yeah, totally. That's exactly. That's super rad. Anyway, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks everybody for listening. This has been Arbitrarily Deterministic on KeithFM.com with Bjorn Stahl, aka uh, Non Figurative. Hey, thanks a lot, everybody. Talk to you soon. <laughs>